0: Learn more at marines.com. Welcome to the Dale Lally Show here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm Dale Lally, your host. And uh, today I want to talk a little bit of offensive line play and uh, something that, that, that triggered this for me. Um, was football outsiders coming up with their list uh, their tiers list of offensive lines in the NFL. And this was uh, compiled by uh, Aaron Schatz, uh, Mike Tanyer, and then the uh, eight year veteran NFL veteran Jeff Schwartz. Uh, they ranked all 32 NFL teams by the overall strength of their offensive lines. And here's what they decided on. And they did these in order, so uh, I'm looking at this, and and the Steelers' offensive line comes in as a D plus. And you might say, well, that's awful, that's terrible. He can't be a D plus. That that's that's uh, you know no uh, upgrade at all from what what they were last year. Well, actually, it is because if you look at what's how these things are tiered, uh, behind the Steelers on this list are the Falcons, the Seahawks, the Houston Texans. The Carolina Panthers, the New York Giants, the Tennessee Titans, the New York Jets, and the Chicago Bears. Then you have the Steelers. So essentially, the Steelers come in ranked 24th. Now you could say that you could say this is a really tough grading system um, because although most of the teams do get C's or C plus for their offensive line play, the the majority of lines aren't that good in the NFL. There's only a few teams, a handful of teams who have a B or an A grade on this. There are more teams in that D plus or uh, D D plus and uh, F grading. Uh, but 24, is that a fair ranking for the Steelers offensive line? Would you take it if the Steelers offensive line was the 24th best offensive line in the NFL this year? Because I don't think they were that last year. They were probably closer to the 28th, somewhere in that range. So that would be an improvement. But is that enough? That's a question you have to ask yourself. Now, I think just having a veteran center helps your offensive line improve and maybe gets that to the 24th best line. So if you came to me at the beginning of the season and said, Steelers offensive line will be the twenty fourth best offensive line in the NFL. I'm probably going to say no. I want something better than that. Now I don't know that it can be markedly better than that. Could it be twentieth? That would be really good. I think if they get the twentieth, that's a, that's a pretty good improvement from where they were at last year, considering what they spent on it this year. They didn't overspend. James Daniels got an okay free agent contract. Mason Cole got an okay free agent contract. They gave Chuks a core for, despite everybody complaining about it, got an okay free agent contract. They didn't overspend on any of those guys. Those are, those are average starting money for an NFL player at those positions. League average. But if the Steelers have five league average players on their offensive line. That's not bad. That's what you're looking for. You'd like that line to be at least league average, because if you have five league average starters, your offensive line is going to be okay. It's probably going to be in the top half of the, of the league in terms of overall play. That's just the reality of, 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 offensive line play in today's NFL. If you look at the lines that are ranked ahead of them, and, and I don't even know that I agree with a couple of these lines that are ranked ahead of them, the Steelers right now. I don't think the Dolphins have a great offensive line. They were worse than the Steelers last year in the offensive line. Now they they added a stud in in Toron Armstead, But does that make them markedly better than the Steelers when they have holes at other spots? I mean massive holes. I don't think so. The Raiders are a team. The Cardinals, the Vikings. I think that if you look at this, they they give this the Detroit Lions a C. That's that's kind of a rough ranking for for the Lions, I think. They get a pretty good offensive line. But also in that tier just ahead of the Steelers with a C offensive line are the Bengals and Ravens. Not great offensive lines. Teams that get a C plus, the Rams, the Patriots, the Saints, the Chargers, the 49ers. Now there's some teams in there that are you know big things are expected of. The Rams won the Super Bowl last year. And then their left tackle retired. The 49ers are everybody's darlings this year to go win the AFC West and be a potential Super Bowl team. And I don't know that I believe that. I don't know if they I don't think that they're ready to take that step. I'm not I'm not banking on Trey Lance being The savior out there. I don't know that it's going to be better offensively than what they were. They'll be different. And then those teams that have above a C grade. There's only a handful here. You've got the Bills, Washington, Dallas, the Broncos, the Packers, the Browns, the Eagles, the Chiefs, and Tampa Bay. It's a pretty select group. In fact, you're looking at a grand total of, uh, real quick here, that, that's 13, 14 teams in the league that have above average. That's no, not even 13. What am I saying? Uh, that's only eight teams, nine teams in the NFL who football outsiders c- considers to have above a C-plus line, above a slightly above average offensive line. That's not many folks. So if the Steelers can get themselves into that conversation, if that line plays better this year and everything gels together, and I expect it will be, maybe not right away, but certainly by the end of the season, because they've got got a group of young players at that position and they're going to continue to get better. If they can work their way into that conversation to be a C offensive line, this team's going to be okay. The Steelers will be just fine in 2022. Where could that go wrong? Well, I think we know in many ways what the players are, who those players are on the right side of the line. I think Chooks for is pretty much at this point in his career, a league average starting right tackle in the NFL. James Daniels has potential. I think he's at least league average right now and has the potential to be a little bit better than that, maybe even a lot better than that. And I think Mason Cole can be a league average starting center. That left guard will get itself sorted out. Could be Kevin Dotson, could be Kendrick Green. Either way, I think both of those guys are are talented enough that that could be league average. And and I think for a while, for a stretch in 2021, Dotson was playing above, a little slightly above average. I thought he was their best lineman early last season. Then he got hurt. That's a problem. Coaching staff doesn't have a ton of confidence in Kevin Dotson to come back. For whatever reason, I don't know what it is. They they don't seem to be sold on Kevin Dotson. They want to keep pushing him. That's why they moved Kendrick Green there. Because I don't think they're sold on Kevin Dotson. Whether it be from a study standpoint, whether it be from not trusting him to come back from an injury, they weren't happy last year. He essentially took off the entire second half of the season with that high ankle sprain. The a difference that young players have to learn between, between being hurt and being injured. And that's something that a lot of, again, young players struggle with. So we'll see about that. And then left tackle Dan Moore. He was okay as a rookie. Can he be better? They expect him to be better. But the reality is he was a fourth-round draft pick. If he were a first-round draft pick, or second-round draft pick, he'd feel a lot different about that. But the bottom line is he was not. He was a fourth-round draft pick. Now, it was an awfully deep offensive tackle draft last year, and that matters. Maybe in, in previous years, he would have been a second-round pick, given the scarcity of offensive tackles, typically in a draft. But that's not the reality. The reality was he was a fourth-round draft pick last year. But he should be better this year. The expectation is that he will be better in 2022. So again, can they get the league average? I don't I don't see a major hole there. I don't see, for example, what the Bengals still have as a hole at left guard. I don't see holes like I do on some of these other teams. It's just obvious gaping holes where, because here's the thing. If you have one weakness on your offensive line, opponents are going to attack that and attack it and attack it and attack it. The problem for the Steelers last year, is they had a couple of holes. Center was an issue. Right guard was something of an issue. <laughs> once, once Dotson went down, Left guard was something of an issue. Those guys were below average NFL players at that point. So your entire center of your offensive line was a problem. And a lot of it was communication issues. Wasn't necessarily guys being getting physically beaten, although that happened at times. But it was a lot of it was communication problems. And some of it was because opponents always knew where Ben Roethlisberger was going to be when the ball was snapped. Now, he might get rid of the ball quickly, but they knew he was going to be five yards behind the center or seven yards behind the center, wherever that that ball was snapped to. He wasn't going to move around the whole lot. So you could just pin your ears back and go. And they knew that the ball was coming out quickly. And if it wasn't coming out quickly, it was getting handed off to Najee Harris. So when the ball was snapped last year, more often than not, there were 10 players within five yards of the line of scrimmage because they knew the ball was coming out quickly or it was going to be a handoff. That's not a good way to play football. That's not a winning way to play football. The Steelers won more games last year than they probably should have. Part of that was because of Ben Roethlisberger. But it's awfully difficult to be really dangerous as an offense when everybody knows exactly what you're going to do on any given play. So just having some, some athleticism, a different player, a quarterback this year should make a difference for that offensive line. And I'm not throwing dirt on, on the, on the, the, the grave of Ben Roethlisberger here. What he did last year was still more than good enough to get them into the playoffs. And seven second-half game-winning drives, six fourth-quarter comebacks. Both of those led the NFL last year. But boy, if you get more consistent quarterback play over the course of the game, it goes a long way towards helping that offensive line. Backing defenses off a little bit. It'll help their wide receivers as well. They won't see nearly as much press coverage as they did last year. That should change things up for guys like Chase Claypool. Should help George Pickens. Deontay Johnson is the one guy that, that, that you know press coverage didn't seem to affect. He can get open against anybody. But it should be different, and it should help that offensive line an, a, a great deal, backing some defenders out of the box. And maybe they come in better than tw- that 24th ranking that like they were on Football Outsiders. I'm going to take a break. I am Dale Lally here on the Dale Lally Show. You're listening to the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. And we'll be back with more right after these messages. I'm Dale Lally here on the Dale Lally Show. Uh, The Deshaun Watson hearing has uh, wrapped up after three days of uh, testimony, and uh, we'll see where this thing goes. Judge, uh, uh, the uh, I should say former judge and current NFL uh, disciplinary officer Sue Robinson uh, spent three days. Hearing from Deshaun Watson's lawyers, hearing from the NFLPA, hearing from the NFL um, regarding the 25 lawsuits against Deshaun Watson for sexual assault, any inappropriate uh, behavior during massage sessions. And as I've been saying for a long time now, the NFL is pushing for a, a, a suspension here of at least a year. At least a year, they tried to have some negotiations with Watson's uh, people, his representatives, and they did not want that one-year suspension. Well, no kidding. They're not going to just accept that. Um, But here's how this works, folks. I've I've had a lot of questions about this. So the independent disciplinary officer sue robinson who's been appointed by the nfl and the nflpa is going to sit and listen to all this testimony much like the supreme court here she's going to come out with a decision on whether the sean watson gets a suspension whether uh he gets nothing whether it's something in between whether it's fines whatever it may be here's where it gets interesting once that decision is made, the, the NFLPA or the league can then appeal that decision. And then NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell or somebody in the NFL office who, who Goodell designates will issue a written decision that will constitute full, final, and complete disposition of the dispute. That is per the terms of Article 46 of the NFL's collective bargaining agreement. So Robinson could come out and say, yeah, Deshaun Watson, uh, we're going to suspend you for for the next two years. Well, obviously, the NFLPA is going to complain. They're going to file a motion about that. They're going to appeal that decision, and then it goes to Roger Goodell or somebody that Roger Goodell designates to hear that appeal. Or, on the other hand side of things, Robinson can come out and say, Deshaun Watson, that's a six-game suspension. And if the league doesn't feel that that's strong enough, the appeal goes to Roger Goodell or his designate. So either way, the league is going to get what the league wants on this. Now, that doesn't mean that the league can't cop out on this and say, uh, let's say say it is the one-year suspension. Is the NFLPA going to be okay with that? I don't know, but it doesn't matter because that's what the league has wanted all along. So it's really hard for me to believe that if Robinson gives Deshaun Watson a one-year suspension and the NFLPA appeals that decision, that Goodell or whoever he appoints to hear that appeal in the in the hearing process or uh, of the process is going is to lower that suspension. I don't see that happening. And if Robinson gives Watson a six-game suspension, The NFL is going to appeal, and Goodell or his designate will then increase that to a year suspension because that's what the NFL has wanted. So the bottom line is I don't think Deshaun Watson plays football for the Cleveland Browns in 2022. And that changes the entire complexion of the AFC North. I've actually seen things this week and I don't agree with it at all but for example pro football focus put out its list of teams rosters in terms of overall talent and had the Browns at number six which to me is way too high way too high I believe if I remember correctly the Steelers were down at 22 on that list uh the Ravens and Bengals were both in the teens, if I remember correctly. So essentially, pro football focus was saying that the Browns have the best roster in the AFC North, and I don't agree with that at all. I think that that whole group is much closer than a, a divide of between 6 and 22. I believe you're looking at more of a situation where maybe the, the best roster in the AFC North is somewhere around 10 to 11, and the worst roster in the AFC North, and it could, however you want to figure that out, is probably somewhere around 18th, because they all have some holes. And if the Browns don't have Deshaun Watson, they've got a great big gapping hole, gaping hole, at the quarterback position, because now all of a sudden they're looking at Jacoby Brissett to be their starting quarterback. Now, the one interesting thing about this that could happen is that if Watson is given a one-year suspension, well, then his contract would toll for the 2022 season. So now all of a sudden, he's not necessarily on the books for the, the, the Browns other than his signing bonus. Could they go out and make a play for Jimmy Garoppolo? People are suggesting that. Here's the problem with that. Are they going to give up more draft picks to go get Jimmy Garoppolo? Who, by the way, also still is not throwing a football this year. He's coming off a of shoulder surgery. Still hasn't started throwing the football again yet. And as we saw with Ben Roethlisberger come, when he was coming back off of his elbow injury, that matters. Quarterbacks, it's kind of important that they be able to throw the football. So I'm just fascinated by this whole situation. Everybody in the NFL is watching this situation to see what happens. This is the first real test of this new disciplinary process with the jointly appointed disciplinary officer. But the league is still going to get what the league wants in these situations. That's just the reality of the situation because Roger Goodell or somebody that he designates from the NFL offices, Gets to hear the appeal. Is that fair to the players? I don't know, but they agreed to it. The NFLPA agreed to this in the latest CBA. So whether it's fair or not, it's the reality of the situation. We will see what happens with this situation with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Again, I don't think Deshaun Watson plays football in 2022. And that makes things very interesting in the AFC North. I don't think the Browns were a contender to win the AFC North this year, even with Deshaun Watson. He hasn't played football in two years. They've got some holes. That defense, their their interior defensive line is bad. Teams will be able to run all over the Cleveland Browns. Their wide receivers are bad. But if they had Deshaun Watson, he at least gives them a fighting chance. I don't think that's going to happen this year. And we'll see what, what that changes, what the, that how that affects the hierarchy in the AFC North and the AFC as a whole once that happens. That's going to do it for today's Dale Lally Show or this week's Dale Lally Show. I'll be back again next week. And then we'll talk a little more uh, Steelers football, NFL football, everything that's happening around the AFC North. Uh, we appreciate you listening to this edition of the Dale Lally Show. And uh, Of course, you can like us here on whatever uh, platform you're listening on. You can uh, give us a like. Uh, you can hear all of our other shows here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Uh, of course, DK's daily shots and our, our shows on the Steelers, the Pirates, the Penguins, even Pitt and Penn State. So lots of stuff to talk about there. Certainly, college football has got a little bit of a, a jolt on, uh, on Thursday this week as well uh, with that news that USC and UCLA are joining the Big Ten. Lots of stuff to talk about, uh, but that will do it for today's show. I'll talk to you next week.